Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Therapy Thoughts with Lindsay. And hey, Randy Cash over there. Maybe hey. that should be the long name. Yeah, <laughs> Randy Cash over there. Right. <laughs> What's up over there, Randy Cash? Pretty much. How are you today, Randy Cash? I'm doing good. All right. Can you believe that we are all ready to, like, almost the end of October? Craziness. I know, right? Halloween know. time. Almost. I think that's, like, next week or week after. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not good with time, man. You're not good with time. It just all I'm, goes by. Kind of. With planning, yeah. I guess I'm not. I What day it is, the, you know, I, I have no idea. I hear you. I so, Luckily, my neighbor reminds me once a month, <laughs> hey, dude, it's the sweet streeping day. Move uh, your car to the other side of the street. Street sweeping, maybe? Yeah. The sweet streeping? Is that what I said? Uh-huh. No, I don't know. <laughs> I like that better, though. Yeah, okay. Sweet streeping. The sweet yeah. streeping. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> So I realized, um, not to just get off of the street nah. sweeping, but um, yeah, man, I'm sorry. Exactly. Let's see. Two years ago <laughs> today, I actually hit a major. You know, so last week we talked about National Coming Out Day. October is right. a lot of big days for me, right? So mm-hmm. October has historically been. Um, let me back up and give some backstory. Then I'll tell you what the anniversary is today. So October has historically been a tough day, a tough month for me. Um, one of the things that I have shared about publicly over the last couple of years is actually my own Me Too story and my experience of being raped when I was in college and sort of the the transition of healing from that, connecting to what happened, moving through it, learning to move past it. And I had never really hidden my story. I mean, even when we did radio back in like 2014 together, Mm. I sort of gave some like I alluded to it, but I didn't really go into any detail or really own it. And that had always been something in the back of my mind that I was like, you know, if I really am going to be this authentic person and I'm going to kind of lead through example. Well, once I had already kind of shared my my coming out story, it felt like, okay, well, this is another really important part of who I am. It doesn't define me, but yet it is something that I have had to deal with and struggle with since I was 18. Mm -hmm. And so on October the 17th of 2017, right at the height of the hashtag Me Too movement that was occurring all over social media, I was sitting in my therapy office and... This is when I was working at uh, the Behavioral Institute for a bit. Mm. I was sitting in there, and I just thought, you know what? If all of these people can can share their story, not only do I feel like I'm empowered to share mine, but kind of going back to the same reason sharing my coming out story was such a big deal. If I can be a beacon of hope for someone else to share their own truth, then that's worth it to me. So with... Like I, I was literally shaking. I mean, my, my whole body was kind of shaking and I just kind of really easily or quickly said, I haven't ever really shared a lot of details about what happened, but hashtag me too. It mm-hmm. occurred when I was 18 and in college. And that's really all the detail that I gave. I not only felt incredibly proud of myself after I hit the post button, but I went in the bathroom and I cried for a minute. And mm-hmm. then I came back to my office and I already had it outpouring of reactions and responses and even messages from people thanking me for sharing. And so it was almost like it was giving me, I don't know, a feeling that I had done the right thing by just putting my truth out there. It, it no longer had 
power over me. It felt mm-hmm. like I owned it in a very different way than just kind of alluding to it. Mm-hmm. I literally connected to the reality. And the healing that has come since then, it's led to a variety of, you know, projects that I've been involved with. But I have truly been amazed at in some ways how much different I feel when I think back on and talk about that story now versus where I was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, Bringing it up was very difficult for me to yeah, do. Yeah, it's difficult, man. Mm-hmm. I make jokes about all my stuff, you know? Yeah. So that's how I... It, right. You may say that... Not you personally. I mean, people, they may say that's not the most healthy thing to do. But for me, it, it it's as healthy sure. as it can be. Because it helps me own things, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, in a way that I hadn't prior to making jokes about them. Um, right. It was like but an, it gives an me avenue ownership. for you. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, and an avenue. But yeah, yeah it's... Yeah. I also have to wonder, you know, we've talked about like our connection and how we get each other. I do think that when people have gone through similar things, even if the details are not exactly the same, sometimes trauma finds trauma or at the very least people that understand that process, like they're kind of drawn to one another. And I do wonder sometimes if that doesn't have some to do with why we get each other the way that we do, Mm -hmm. because there's been similar, at least feelings of experiences that have occurred, even if the situations were different. It was so long. I mean, obviously it screwed me up and affected me but right. it was so long ago man right i mean i dude not over 40 years man right. 40 something right so long ago mm-hmm. you know it's not yeah. like i don't remember but it's i've man it's been so long and i have yeah. compartmentalized and smashed and smashed, and smashed. <laughs> i know i know but, no, but i also think seriousness, it it would that help for me personally that, yeah. that that's been helpful it was so long ago no i totally get that and you know i think that's another thing about the, this whole process well one of the things too that i really do admire about you is that what we do know like from the the clinical data side of things is that the amount of sexual abuse that occurs not just to women but also to men is actually pretty equal in terms of the number of of victims that exist. But yet the reporting of that is drastically different for a lot of the stigmas and the Mm -hmm. social reactions to things. And so the fact that you have always been willing, even if you do it through humor or what I might call self-deprecating humor at times, you have always owned it. And that that's admirable, in my opinion, that you were even before there was a Me Too movement, you were willing to go on the radio and talk about it. And that takes a certain amount of courage and willingness to be vulnerable, even if you're making fun of something. Thanks. That's the only way I could really gain that control over it. I figured it out. I was doing radio with my brother jeff i I've, I've told you this story tell me just to skip and move on but <laughs> about how i was he would get mad if i made jokes about my dead mother yeah you told me about that yeah and, and I, mm-hmm. basically it's like dude it you gotta just do it just let one rip and you're gonna feel yep. so much better and one day he did we were going to commercial break and he left some awful joke about my dead mom go uh-huh and he la- I laughed hysterically through the whole commercial break. And he- but he was like, yeah, oh, my God, you're right. I feel so much better. It's yeah. Like, you own that stuff. Now, it doesn't mean you need to say horrendous jokes about your dead mother every right. day. But now you have taken the first step to really owning that thing and not letting yeah. it own you, man. I love that. And yes, that's exactly what I mean, that it's like even if you own it in a joking way or maybe at first you talk about it like I did in really high level terms where I just Mm -hmm. literally said when I was 18, 
you know, something against my will happened. I didn't go into detail, but I allowed myself to own the story and to own that as part of my narrative, Mm -hmm. but also to recognize that that's not how I define myself. It's not all that I am, you know, Mm -hmm. that you you losing your mom or you going through some sort of abuse. That's not all that you are, but they're parts of who you are. And I think when I stopped letting that story have power, I took my own power back and there was a huge amount of freedom that came from that. I mean, it was, it was amazing to me how quickly I not only felt proud of myself, but I also felt like I shifted. It was almost like I couldn't, I couldn't undo what I had just done and I wouldn't want to if I could because Mm -hmm. just owning it in that real public way like that and feeling so much support allowed me a different kind of healing. And this is after I had been, you know, in therapy off and on for probably more than a decade. I had really done a lot of introspective sort of like self-work, but there was still something really, really empowering about Mm -hmm. just owning what happened to me and not letting it have power. And I think in some regard, when I owned it, I also took the abuser's power away Mm -hmm. because anytime I would talk about it prior to sharing it like I did... It, it really could upset me and, and make me feel fearful. Like I even would go through time periods where I would intentionally look this person up to try and see where they were geographically located mm-hmm. so that I would at least feel safe that they weren't going to show up at right. my door. And I, I discovered over the last number of years, I, I don't do that anymore. Good. Like I don't, I don't feel this like compulsive need almost to just know and to be in control because I no longer feel like it has power over me. And that's a that's a really awesome feeling. I got to be honest. Yeah. So like being in a room and you're like trying to push the door open, but mm-hmm. that power is leaning against the door and you can't get it open. Once you right. finally break it open, mm-hmm. then you can kind of get out of that mm-hmm. tr- that room, that trap yeah. of negative ugliness or yuck, as you said a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, um, it um that's what it feels like, you yeah. know. And then for what was it's a whole interesting. New world. It is. And what was interesting is that that led to, so, you know, I had written a um, a column for Gazelle magazine, actually, right around the time you and I first met back in 2014. I had, I had done that for about mm, six or eight months. And Scylla Hall, the, the editor, mm-hmm. chief editor person of um, Gazelle, she had put out a, a, a request and she said, there's a lot of people sharing their Me Too stories. If you're mm-hmm. interested in taking part in a local project uh, that's going to be featured in the magazine and you'd be willing to share more details about your story, let me know. And I debated and debated and debated, like, should I do this? Should I not? Should I go there? Should I not? Like, it was a little nerve wracking, but I ultimately sent her a message and I said, you know, I didn't share a lot of detail um, in my Facebook post, but I think with all of the outpouring of support and also people that have said, thank you for sharing, um, I I really would like to share my, share more details to kind of connect Mm -hmm. to this in a very real way. So ultimately was able to be part of a documentary project and sort of a, um, a collaborative effort between myself and seven other really awesomely Mm -hmm. brave women that were willing to tell their story from their own perspective. And we all have very different backgrounds. We have very different lives that we lead now. We come at things from a variety of different perspectives. In some cases, we're not even all from the same country, Mm -hmm. but we all connected on this this um, day and we told our stories and I feel like out of that not only did I gain even more power because I really connected the details in a way that I never had before but I discovered seven other women that I consider to be kind of on that chosen family wavelength where mm-hmm. they just get me in a way that we all went through something really powerful and transformational together 
And so, you know, I hear people now that want to say, oh, the Me Too movement, there's no reason that, you know, it, it's dumb. It's, it's, it's been overused. It's been overdone. It, you know, it shouldn't be something that's continuing. It's just a way to attack men. And I'm just going to have to poo-poo on all of that. Yes. Because, first of all, uh. it's a very needed thing. I think any time there is, you know, a number of people that share similar stories, it empowers other people to share similar stories. So for that reason alone, mm-hmm. I will never not share. Um, the other thing is that when people want to say, well, it's just a way to, you know, attack men, I take so many issues with that because if you're not doing anything that would be questionable anyway, then you shouldn't really feel attacked. Yeah, That's kind of exactly. my take on the whole thing. Or at least, you you know, you're not sitting there planning how you're going to do right. something. And unfortunately, there are people that want to, you know, anytime there is a movement or anytime there is a, a large following of some kind that, you know, want to poke holes in it. But, you know, my, my experience mm. over the last two years is that I have experienced so much healing from just breaking my silence mm-hmm. and telling my truth and sharing my reality that there is no amount of anything that will make me not share that. Right. It just it, you can't make me not, you know, and for that reason alone, I will continue to talk about it because I think it's a conversation that needs to continue happening. It's not like it just happened once to one person and we're right. done with it. I mean, we, we yeah. need to continue having these conversations. Yeah, it's it. It doesn't go away, Mm-mm. but you hit it on the, the nail on the head. Yeah. Taking the power, you know, yeah. that's the reclaiming the power because mm-hmm. it's the only way you're going to find your way to a better place I, is I taking that agree. power back, man. And I, that's I like I don't I don't have all that fancy training and stuff like you have, <laughs> but I'm thinking from where I'm sitting, uh-huh. it starts with the power. I agree. And, you know, I'll even use this as an example. Some of um, that fancy learning. Yeah, some of that fancy learning. <laughs> um, a couple of weeks ago, I got to watch the um, the Emily Doe story um, from the Brock Turner case. It, it, there, I don't know if you're familiar with the story. It was the situation of the, um, the young woman that went to a frat party and mm-hmm. had had a lot to drink and um, ultimately was taken advantage of and raped behind a dumpster uh, by by a student. Mm-hmm. And there were all of these things that came out after the story broke, right? And a lot of it was vilifying her, like, oh, she was drunk. What did she expect? Oh, you know, she was at a frat party. What did she expect? And she had been known as Emily Doe, quote unquote, Literally since it happened, because she didn't want her identity revealed, but Mm -hmm. not that long ago, she actually came forward and said, I am Emily Doe, and she kind of reclaimed her story and and put a face behind it, you know, Mm -hmm. and one of the things that was so powerful that she said in her 60 Minutes interview was, yeah, I had a lot to drink. And so what did I expect what happened from that? Well, I expected to wake up with a pretty bad hangover. Yeah, That's all, you know? And it's sort of this idea that we have to stop blaming the victim and acting like it's, you know, oh, boys will be boys. They're just going to do what they're going to do. No, fuck that. That's not what that's going to look like because there is no amount of justification that makes that okay. You know, it, the same way that I would say, okay, if a if let's say it's a heterosexual dynamic, if a male friend of yours gets drunk in your presence, should they be worried that you're gonna you know take advantage of them while they're asleep or passed out? 
Probably not. Mm. So why is that same courtesy not given to a female friend or a exactly. female person? It doesn't matter if they're a friend. Just the, the common courtesy and decency that says, I'm not going to take advantage of this person. They are incapacitated or unable to consent. And so therefore, maybe I shouldn't try and do sexual things or any mm. sort of, of things to them. Just let them sleep. Let me put a blanket over them. They'll be all right. There's so much in social media, media, movies, TV, mm. radio, the whole shebang and bang. Mm. Uh, but, but things, you know, you're all. There was a time, you know, when things weren't as tolerant as they are now. And mm. I, I've definitely seen some improvement mm. over the 40 something years of my life 40 <laughs> 40 something something right right years of my life but you know there are certain things that have never been okay you know and taking advantage of people has just never been okay and that's some people just find it so easy yeah to just take advantage of people yeah, and I mean, that that's sort of the part of it, you know? It's like a crime of opportunity yeah, some kind, or sometimes they're just like the, the ease of, you know, uh-huh. being able to just do it, and, you know, if, if there exactly. aren't, you know, then consequences that are enforced, it just, you know, it breaks my heart every time. I mean, the guy in her case, um, I remember there being all of these, you know, stories about, oh, he's a great swimmer, and he's a great guy, and he's a great this, and he's a great that, and it's like, and all of that may be, I'm, I'm, I mm-hmm. don't know him, I, I can't character assassinate him because I don't know him, but I also know that those things don't excuse bad behavior. Right. He could be the best person in the entire world, but if he has a moment where he does something that is, that is in my opinion, you know, reprehensible, why are we giving him a pass because he happens to be a right. good swimmer? Like when, that, that's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. We put emphasis, I used to say, man, society, we put too much emphasis on things that are meaningless and yeah. not enough on the important things that are actually meaningful. Yeah, you know? I would agree. And yeah. I had something with. Well, that was kind that of that was too, a good but, little thing, though. Yeah, I, I agree with you, though, and in this case, in particular, like I am, I am so impressed with her bravery and you know her willingness to come forward and share her story mm-hmm. in a, in a public way. Um, her story actually happened kind of prior to the Me Too movement really starting mm-hmm. to take off and trend. And you know, she talked about that how she she definitely feels that support because sharing this story and not feeling like it's just in isolation. You know, I think for so long there's a lot of, you know, people felt like they had to stay silent. They couldn't come out and, you know, Mm -hmm. share the truth of what happened to them for a variety of reasons. And I think now that we've kind of broken that silence and we've allowed there to be a platform for people to just step up and say, Mm -hmm. hey, this happened to me too. Maybe you don't want to give all of your details. Maybe you just own it to yourself and some close friends. I'm not saying you even have to do it in a public way. What Mm -hmm. I'm saying is that your story should not have power over you. You are the one that gets to write that story. And if this is a dirty, icky, terrible chapter of your life that you don't want to relive, you don't have to go back and relive it all the time. But if you continue to avoid it, oftentimes that does lead to a place of isolation and desperation and feelings of helplessness and hopelessness. And I don't want anyone no. to feel that or to, to feel as though there is no path forward because there is. Yeah, there's always a path forward. Life's mm-hmm. hard, man, unfortunately. Yeah. Just 
this planet has a way of really screwing with your mind, you know? It can, you know, and so we sort of have a choice, you know, how do we want to respond to the situation? Do, do we want to let it have power over us? In my case, I decided I want to respond to what happened to me by saying what happened to me. Not only was it not my mm-hmm. fault, did I not cause it to occur? And is it not something that I should be blamed for? I'm going to use my story in a platform to try and help as many people as I can realize that there is a path forward. No matter how dark it may seem. I mean, I I remember, Mm -hmm. you know, after after I was raped and not really understanding um, what that meant or what even had happened. um, I was I I couldn't sleep. I um, the thing happened. It happened in my bed in my apartment. I never slept in my apartment bed again. I would sleep on the couch Mm -hmm. and I would fight going to sleep. And I, you know, fell into what I now recognize as a depression with a lot of anxiety associated. But I didn't know that's what I was experiencing. I was so confused and just felt violated and betrayed and was in pain. Mm -hmm. And there were all of these things that just didn't make sense. Now that I've been able to connect those dots, and so what is that, almost, I think it's like 19 years later or Mm -hmm. something like that, 18 years later, yeah, 18 years later, um, being able to look back at it with a different set of eyes, with a different lens that says, I didn't let that define me. I didn't let that control the outcome of the rest of my life. Has the path been hard? Hell yes, it has. And have there been days where it was difficult to get out of bed or, you know, take care of myself in very basic ways? Yes, absolutely. But I also know what it feels like to persevere through that and to come out on the other side feeling a lot more empowered and a lot more in control of my own life. And now I'm choosing to use that as a way to help other people see that the same path is possible for them. Yeah, no, we're definitely not saying, hey, just, you know, get over it and take right. back the power. You know? Right. No, it's, it's just, <laughs> What'd you say? Uh, eighteen years. Eighteen, yeah. And I said forty something. Right. It's all. It's been a long. Yeah. Time and I was by time I was man in my mid thirties. Mm-hmm. So I carried it thirty something years. Yeah. And just smashed it down. Smashed it down. Right. And uh, yeah. Let it have you know probably more power than you Absolutely. realized. But thought you were in control. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people, you know, they they push it down and they push it down. And, you know, there's also a certain resilience quality to the brain that kind of doesn't want to believe the negative bad things really happened. You know, it's hard Uh to connect those dots and to go, wow, this really happened to me. Um, I know for me, I used to blame myself because I was I was asleep yeah, when this occurred and I I would go I would play it in my head because I have flashes of memory and I would kind of play it in my head and go well could I have stopped it what should I have done differently how could I have changed this outcome but no matter how I would try to twist it I could never change the narrative you mm-hmm. know I could never I could never actually make it my fault but yet it was very confusing so yeah there's not a oh, this is easy and you should just move forward. But it it is something that if you are willing to do the hard work of dealing with the stuff that's there, there is healing possible. There really is. is. And people like me have to go to the very depths of the rock bottom for Mm -hmm. me to wake up in my life, dude. I mean, it took me really getting low before I I woke up and... Took started to begin to take ownership. I don't want to say when I did it, it, it went fast, but I had to. Well, I had several things 
all at once kind of mm-hmm. come crashing down. So I was fortunate enough to have an exceptional therapist and was able to work through so a few very heavy things, you know, at, at one time. Mm-hmm. To So I was fortunate enough, I guess, in that regard to be able to work on a few things and have them all kind of develop to get simultaneously right. where I was able to take ownership of a f- yep. few things at mm-hmm. once that I need, I, I guess I need it. I don't know how I, I would be if I had to do them individually, you know? Yeah. It's so how that worked out for me, I guess it worked mm-hmm. out for the best, but yeah, I probably could have taken some steps earlier in life to correct and find a way to get better yeah. before I let myself bottom out, you know, and I almost I didn't survive that. that. And it was, Scary stuff, dude. It's why I'm always happy to be alive, dude. Every day is right. a great day, man. No, I totally get oh, that. And alive, I think, man. you know, it is that idea, too, of like starting where you are, doing what you can, and just putting one foot in front of the other. And maybe that's reaching out to someone to talk it through with. Maybe that's, yeah. you know, allowing yourself to start developing some self care. You know, we talked about yeah. self care awareness month all last month. And, you know, I think it, it is. It's like it's it's a whole multitude of things that yeah. all kind of come together at one point to help you get out of your own way yeah. and to really connect the dots in your life so that you're able to be kind of a more cohesive person all around. And I think that the more that we can do that, the you know, the more healing and is possible. But it is definitely yeah. a process. Yeah, like you said, with you know the isolation and being apart, you know, from people and interactions, and you get. You let you don't find a way to get help. You get to the lows, and then mm-hmm. when you get to bottom, you start thinking about some pretty serious things yeah. like suicide. I know and death. And I'm as a person that's cheated death on numerous occasions. Right. I'm telling you, man. My opinion is this: being alive thing is pretty cool. I'm going to see how this works out. Right. You yeah. Know? And because you don't. Eh. I don't know. Death seems a little, I don't know what, permanent? Right. (laughs) Right. And it's sort of that thing that it's like, you know, whoever Uh. is the perpetrator, you know, it is not on you to have to own their mistake. It is not on you to have to feel responsible for what they did. And so I think some of the biggest elements of learning to forgive yourself or even just recognizing that you really don't have anything to forgive yourself for because you didn't do anything wrong. Something was done to you. And then recognizing that it is possible to go from feeling like a victim to actually being a survivor. And so I consider myself in that in that category now. I don't really think of myself as a victim. I mean, yes, I was victimized by someone that had a really bad agenda, but I don't consider myself victim in that regard any longer. I like that. Well, good. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you like that. Yeah. I I hope that that can be at the very least, uh, you know a beacon of hope for someone that might be listening that, you know, really is struggling with if it's their own Me Too story or maybe it's just something else really deep, dark, and, you know, yeah. uncomfortable in their life that they almost feel victimized by their own experiences, but recognizing there is always a path forward to go from that victimhood to survivorhood, and that's sort of where I want everyone to achieve, you know? Everybody has mm-hmm. experience. Everybody has some darkness, man. Oh, yeah. Something. Everybody has something, so just know that you're not alone. Just know that you are not alone. None of us get out of this life unscathed, but if we can Mm -mm. find connection, if we can find healing, if we can find meaning and purpose in the things that we do and the things that we've gone through, then we have a pretty good shot of living a life that feels pretty okay, you know? Yeah, like I said, the world's kind of a crazy place. It is. It tends to mess with you, but... I know. I, I... 
I like being alive, man. I get it. And you, and you find ways to like make people laugh and enjoy their Try. enjoy their life in, in the comedy form of things. I know I we kind of went to a dark place today, but you do have some funnies in there. Thanks. I uh, I did a, a, a comedy show a few weeks ago mm-hmm. in Collinsville, Illinois, in the Legion Hall. The, okay. The American Legion Post. Sure. It was fun. It was great. Good. Speaking of comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It if was, people uh, want to follow all your comedy adventures, how can they find you? Uh, on Instagram, at rcashcomedy. And that just goes everywhere, right? You share it to Facebook and whatnot yeah, from it's them. easier right. that way. Yeah, I know. You're kind of like the don't really love social media yeah. guy, but it's like a necessary evil at this point. Yeah, I use it to promote myself and there get attention. And right. hey, everybody look at me. <laughs> Check me out. Check oh, me out. Oh, my goodness. What, you know, what's what it's for. I know. I know. It is what it's for. Self-promotion, right? At least Woo. I don't get political on there, man, because I'm not right? a political individual. True. But, I don't either. Oh, I feel like, yeah. you know, that's like we can have a whole conversation yeah, about that. Let's not. Let's talk about fun stuff. All right. We'll talk about fun giggle. stuff. I know we kind of went to. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right, then. No, I know we went to kind okay. of a maybe weird, dark place. Not weird, but a dark place for sure today. But, um, you know, it is one of those things that I will always celebrate October the 17th as a day that I really did reclaim my own power. And all I can do is put my story out there and hope that it inspires other people to live their best life also. Um, If you are someone that is struggling with hopelessness or deep, dark places, you can always reach out to me. I have a variety of social media platforms that you can follow the work that I do as well as reach out. Um, On Facebook, my page is at Lindsay Walden Consulting. You can also follow my actual Facebook at Lindsay Walden Therapy. You can find me on Instagram, Walden underscore Lindsay, and on Pinterest, it's Therapy Thoughts. My website is lindsaywalden.com. That's where I'm going to have any of the blogs that I post. All of the episodes of the podcast get uploaded to there and then also shared on iTunes. So definitely reach out if you need to, but I would love to hear from you, even if you just want to say, hey, there's a topic I want you to cover in the future. But thanks again for listening to Therapy Thoughts, and we will be back next week with some more.